Now, I don't know about your background, but my background's got these pretty flowery. Well, I got a puppet in my background. <laughs> and I mean, it's going to be strange, but she's just going to be there. It's going to be like that horror movie, Annabelle. Yeah. I went to the eye doctor yesterday. Oh. Going for the annual checkup. They dilate the eyes. Yeah. Let me tell you, man. Is that what I saw on, on, on Facebook? Yeah, you can <laughs> you can see through space and time, but nothing else I when your that. pupils are dilated like that. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I was like, did Bill go to the top? Look like Gollum. <laughs> Walking around Greenwood screaming, my precious. <laughs> With those big old Gollum Stop pupils. it. Stop it. You're right, though. They were di- It was effective. They dilated. Welcome to Black, White, and Blue in the South, a podcast discussing democratic politics with a Southern flair. I'm Bill Kimler. I'm Jamil Brooks. And we're coming to you from Greenwood, South Carolina, a little red county in a very red state. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating, share with your friends, follow us online, or better yet, stop sharing Trump's mugshot all over the internet. That ghoulish face is starting to scare the children. You can always drop us a note at blackwhiteblueinthesouth at gmail.com. You can also follow us on our brand new Facebook page, Black, White, and Blue in the South. Links to everything, including to articles and videos mentioned in today's episode, are found in the show notes. We want you to be armed with the facts because an educated voter is a powerful voter. Ooh, I like that. Well, thank you. I made that up myself. Did a great job. Uh, 50 years from now, I want my face on a meme with that quote, the late great civil rights activist, <laughs> Kimler. Well, that's the fantasy anyway. It's going to happen. Hey, Jamel. Hi there. Happy September. Happy September. Did you realize we are in our third month of recording this podcast? No, I didn't. I didn't Technically, think about it. our first podcast was at the end of July. We recorded it. Oh, wow. It. And then we had all of August, and now here we are at the beginning of September on episode Yay. number six. This upcoming Saturday, September 9th, will be the Greenwood County Democratic Party September breakfast meeting. Yes. 9 a.m. at Morris Chapel Baptist Church. Jamel, would yes. you tell us what you're going to be doing at this oh, meeting? Oh, wow. I get to interview two of our council members, great individuals, and they are ready to give some input. Now, I'm not going to tell you what the line of questions are, but it's definitely a chance for them to get to hear and answer what's on our minds. And who do we have? We've we got- have Teresa Griffin. And then we have Johanna Bishop. So we are so ready for that. That'll be awesome. I look I think forward so. to that. I think so. We will also hear from Josh Malkin. Okay. And he's the senior advocacy strategist with the ACLU of South Carolina. He will speak about the growing freedom to read mm. movement that counters the attacks against our public libraries and schools. Oh, my. In fact, just this past week, yesterday, I believe it hit the news, South Carolina Superintendent of Education, Ellen Weaver, who, by the way, received a master's degree in just six months as a political donation from Bob Jones University when she learned it was a requirement for that role she wanted to pursue. When she learned. She announced that South Carolina was cutting ties with the South Carolina Association of school librarians. So the Department of Education is now divorcing themselves from the state librarians because 
these librarians issued concerns about these irrational book bans that are being pushed around South Carolina. Mm. What a bold move going to war against librarians. I, I don't know if it's bold or crazy. It also shows that you are not allowed to have dissent or any counter opinion when it comes to these extreme ideologues like Ellen Weaver, where you need to tow her party line or get the boot. So we'll get to hear from Josh Malkin. He's going to speak about that. So we invite you to join us. Yes, please. See the show notes to RSVP to what will be a wonderful morning of inspiration and information. Yeah, don't miss that. Our main topic for today will be so-called critical race theory. You ready for that? Yeah, I'm ready. But first, the news. For up to the minute reports, stay tuned to this station. Now the news. Jamel, my blood is boiling a little bit today. I won't mind, but tell me. At McCravey's announcement. Now, this is Greenwood, South Carolina, state representative John McCravey announced last night that he is running for re-election for state house in District 13. And online, he wrote the following. So I'm going to quote him. Last night at our supporter event, I announced my 2024 candidacy for re-election to House District 13. The event was very encouraging as the crowd heard from House Majority Leader David Hiatt, Representative Doug Gilliam, Representative Mike Burns, and our own Senator Billy Garrett. Good men all. We will continue to stand strong for all the conservative principles set forth in the South Carolina Republican platform and fight against the increasing attack on our children. The left wants to terminate children in the womb up to the moment of birth, affirm and treat so-called gender confusion as early as three years old, treat parents as terrorists, indoctrinate children with CRT and Marxism, indoctrinate and sexualize children with LBGTQ, and marginalize the nuclear family. Is there any wonder our children are now having an epidemic of mental illness? And that was a quote. Now, I just want to point out, Jamil, you were cracking up at the beginning of that because you were enjoying the voice impression that I've been working on. Your face started to change and change drastically as I read word for word what McCravey posted on his Facebook page last night. Yeah. Your reactions. Here, here's what I'm going to continue to stand by. And I don't care what McCravey says or anyone that sings that same tired ass song. They are using keywords to manipulate the minds of a group of people. And it is an insult to that group of people. He mentioned terms in that gender confusion. He mentioned that we were trying to support the dissolving of the nuclear family, epidemic of mental illness. Where did he get those terms? Because clearly he would not have researched that to say that that is the link between what is happening. So you're just going to get up here and you're going to say that we are plaguing people with gender confusion. There's no confusion. You're the confused idiot. It's lies like that that we just heard. Most of those bullet, actually all those bullet points are just outright lies. It's lies like these that inspired me to run last time. And who knows, maybe again, because these lies, this bullying, 
cannot go unchallenged. Listen, I'm a student of history, especially World War II. Okay. I have read hundreds of books on the subject and especially the rise of the Nazi empire. And I know it's somewhat hackneyed to always bring Nazism up when you hear something you don't like. But okay. there is a frightening parallel Ooh, to ahead. what we heard there yes. to the Nazi propaganda against Jewish people in the 1930s. Their rise to power was built on the back of demonizing mm. a segment of the population and blaming them and making them responsible for all of their problems. They portrayed Jews as, quote, wandering cultural parasites consumed by sex and money. They worked to impress upon German civilians and German soldiers that the Jews were not only subhuman, but they were dangerous enemies of the German Reich. And they were quite successful. Here's an example. They said, only a national comrade can be a citizen. Only someone of German blood, regardless of faith, can be a citizen. Therefore, no Jew can be a citizen. Mm. Now, I want you to compare that to what McCravey wrote about me in a letter to his constituents last year. Read it. He said, my opponent, in fact, moved here from New York, bringing New York City values with him. And he wants to turn back all that we have accomplished this past session and more. So this otherism, you know, you don't belong, you don't, you're not worthy. There is a parallel between the language that McCravey and others like him use and what totalitarian and authoritarian states have used throughout history. I agree. I agree. I'm going back to nuclear family, and this takes me to another article that recently came out. Tim Scott's own party is on him, riding him for him to give an explanation as to why he's not married. They did the same thing for Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham responded, I'm happy with my life not being married. Why is it that they feel that the nuclear family is the only way? We can't continue to push our morals and values on people. If you want to live a certain way in hopes that people can see something in you that makes them want to connect to you and mimic that, do that. But you do not get to stand in front of people and belittle people because they do not align with your values. There's no confusion here. These individuals are taking blatant attacks and that, that needs to stop. It needs to stop now. All right. Is our blood boiling? Are yes, it's boiling. Up? Are we ready to go? Tick me off. Sick of him. Shoot. All right. Well, do you have a happy news article? To, no, it's not uh, happy. It's just going to keep... <laughs> <laughs> we have nothing about baby penguins today? No, we're not talking about dang blame penguins. They didn't <laughs> me off. <laughs> All right. So I know you guys have seen this, and this is kind of sad, but it brings up a really important topic to consider. You've heard discussions from different candidates about term limits, there are some positions you can age out of. Well, Nikki Haley's topic that was in the Huff Post, I think on the 31st of August, says Nikki Haley calls Senate a privileged nursing home after McConnell freezes. Now, I'm not a fan necessarily of Nikki Haley. I'm not a fan of that statement because I find that discriminating. It's like age discrimination is what I think that is. Is it alarming that McConnell continues to freeze and everybody on his team goes along like this is normal for him and he continues to stand up front 
and appears though he's conducting business. That's alarming to me. So in this article, the thing that popped out to me was age limit, um, a cognitive ability test, which you've heard Nikki Haley refer to needing those that need. She's actually been saying that Biden should have one, President Biden, and then term limit. I feel that her stance on this is tacky in her approach. However, there may be some substance in what she's recommending. Well, she wasn't the first to take this approach. If you remember, Democratic gubernatorial candidate Joe, Joe Cunningham. Cunningham yes. had the exact same approach. He yes. was all about Henry McMaster's age yes. and ending the geriatocracy, I think he called it. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a play on you know geriatrics. Yeah. And it didn't resonate well with the And, and I, don't, I don't think it will because I think when you say this, you are insulting the wisdom that comes with age. And I want to say that we should continue to respect age. However, I agree that there is a time when you have to, and Nikki Haley said it, there's a time when you have to know when your time is up and you should step aside. Because another thing that she mentioned in here is that you should make sure that the individuals that are in these positions are competent to lead our country. And and I I agree 100% with that particular statement. It's just the delivery of saying, because you are a certain age, you are no longer competent. And we cannot say that that's so because there are a lot of people in the House and the Senate that are a lot younger that I can almost say couldn't pass a cognitive ability test if you gave it to them. So I don't want to say that age should be the determining factor, but the ability to perform. Because I'm not sure, and I asked this, I think on our last podcast, what job can you continue to keep if you don't meet your obligations, if you don't meet those job responsibilities? This is a topic that we should continue to discuss. I think there needs to be some parameters put in place. Well, I watched that McConnell video, couldn't help but get away from it if you're online. And it was very sad. It's sad. And I came right out and said, I absolutely rebuke anybody who treats that yes, uh, in you're a absolutely mocking right. fashion. It, it was anybody who treats that in a mocking fashion, I can't get behind, nor could I share it or Not like at it. All. Anybody who's had elderly parents or grandparents, you've seen the same thing. And it's yes. just part of the human condition. At some point, your capabilities will decline. I do think McConnell should step down at this point. I think so. I think Diane Feinstein should step I down. I was going at this to mention point. her. Diane has been serving since um, 1992. Yeah. She was the mayor before that. I'm sorry, it wasn't 1992 just a couple of years ago? Seems that way. I'm not going to age myself. Um, but can you believe that she's outlived all three of her husbands? Health has been on her side, and now and it she's starts a, to decline. had a very distinguished career. She has. She has. And so she was mentioned in this article, too, saying, hey, we should look at considering if she's able to continue and institute in this cognitive ability test. And it has nothing to do with age. Nothing. Because people want to use that same line of logic to say Biden shouldn't run again. Correct. If you can demonstrate Biden is having those same uh, similar freezes or anything else, then I would jump on board. Same thing with Trump. I, you know, as crazy as he is, I don't know that he's having the same mental decline take that you see with him. McConnell. Yeah. Uh, so you have to show it and not just have an age limit that's arbitrarily chosen. Yes. As far as I can see, Biden's still out riding his bicycle. He's still traveling the world. Having a great day. He's, yes. He's everywhere doing Interacting. everything. He's, he's doing just fine. And as long as his health is able to do so, then God bless him. Uh, and I'll support it. It also mentioned that McConnell's doctor, the official doctor, confirms that he is competent to stand in his position. No diagnoses was released. None of those were released. Um, And one person was able to say he's fit. Millions of additional salary workers could get overtime under Biden's proposal. 
The reason I want to take time and mention this article, Obama tried it, and during his administration, it was shot down because the amount was too much. Trump went in, and under his administration, he did bump it up a little, and now here is Biden trying to bump it up even more. And this is something that I feel should happen. If you are a manager at a restaurant, and as a manager, your starting salary or your salary is 35000 that's no money in reality of you trying to take care of a family and then knowing that you are there more than 40 hours every week, Okay, so possibly if, on call. But if they're working overtime, they get extra money on top of that, right? They don't if they're a salaried worker. Oh, so there's an exemption Correct. to these overtime Correct. rules if you make a certain minimum Correct. annual amount. So... And you can't. Like, if you got someone who's making, yes, they are salary. They're a manager, and their their salary is 35000 for 40 hours a week. But they are here 60 hours a week and covering shifts because other employees or their staff members are not present. You prevent them from being able to close that financial gap. It's not like they can go out and get a part-time job and supplement what that 35 is not giving them because they have to always be ready to come in and cover shifts or do whatever a manager needs to do at that $35,000 level. So the recommendation for Biden's was to bump it up to 55. So this way, if you're in that manager tier and you make 55,000 or less, but you're a manager, you're eligible for overtime. If you work past 40 hours, correct. that is incredible. And that needs to happen because what we do is, I say this a lot, and you will hear this in general conversation from lay people in the communities. The policies that we currently have in place keep the rich richer, and it keeps the poor poor. And that middle class, though we're not paying them enough attention, is suffering like no other. We are into the rotation of where we get up, we go to work, we do everything we can to make sure that we are meeting our financial obligations, we're taking care of our family, we're doing everything that we can. But that middle class group typically is the one that's getting left behind. And because of policies that are being passed, members of the middle class group that once were solidified, gaps are going to grow and they're going to start to drop down into lower class. I don't know why there's such an objection to revisiting these things every couple of years as cost of living increases and so on. My stepdaughter just got a job. She's 20 and she's working in daycare. She got a really great paying job, she thinks. She's being paid $15 an hour. Okay. That's kind of on the high end of the hourly wage standard. And then I had to point out to my wife and I said, when back in 1990, I was a college student and I worked for a company called the Princeton Review okay. doing test prep. SATs, GREs, things like that. And I was putting in maybe 15, 20 hours a week doing that. You know what I was paid for that back then? What? $15 an hour. Wow. 1990. Well, let me just do the math. That was about five years ago. Yeah, that's it. Right? And it's something to say that we have not kept up as a nation with these costs. And, and so when Biden makes an announcement like this, it is refreshing. It is fair. It helps the working people. Yeah. And it only stimulates the economy and helps people take care exactly. of the basic needs. Exactly. And I'm so glad that we have a representative that's in our party that is considering the working class. Today's episode is brought to you by the letters C, R, and T. That's the only laugh we're going to get out of this one, because this subject is a bit much. 
So the main episode for today is critical race theory, commonly referred to as CRT. First thing I want to cover, what exactly is critical race theory? And that's something that most of us had never heard of prior to Republicans making that the biggest boogeyman in America. Yeah. And that happened around the same time as the racial protests throughout the nation in 2020 after the murder of George Floyd. That scared Republicans and conservatives to their core because they saw how mobilized the nation was. Correct. And they started coming out with laws and making CRT the root cause of all of their problems. Mm. And many of their fellow legislators and constituents are able to repeat the talking points, but have little to no actual knowledge or examples to share. Okay. So I would like to start off with something of a formal definition of critical race theory. Let's go. I'm going to go to the NAACP for this. Go there. Sounds like a valid source Seems of like information. They would know. Right. <laughs> so this is from their site. Critical race theory, or CRT, is an academic and legal framework that denotes systemic racism as part of American society. From education and housing to employment and health care, critical race theory recognizes that racism is more than the result of individual bias and prejudice. It is essentially an academic response to the erroneous notion that American society and institutions are colorblind. Mm. Critical race theory recognizes that racism is embedded in laws, policies, and institutions that uphold and reproduce racial inequalities. According to CRT, societal issues like black Americans' higher mortality rate, outsized exposure to police violence, the school-to-prison pipeline, denial of affordable housing, and the death rates of black women in childbirth are not unrelated anomalies. These are, and now this is me speaking, these are uncomfortable facts backed by hard data. In fact, last episode, did we not talk about the higher death rate of black women giving birth in this country? We did. Backed up by medical facts, backed up by hard science. We did. So what do you feel about that definition? The definition is the definition. And we've, we've talked about this, I think, even in general conversations where we might not have been recording. But there's a, there's a problem with being able to grab three letters or one key word and turn that into a phrase or a word from hell. Critical race theory is just what it says that it is. It is going to outline the who, what, when, where, and how that racism plagues the United States. My question that I keep asking is, why do we as a state and as a nation run from the facts? History mattered in every other subject area. If you are a business owner, history matters. You don't want to make the same mistakes. In healthcare, your history matters. Your daughter doesn't want to go back and, and you know, give you the wrong medication based off of how you acted, reacted to it previous times. Everything matters when it relates to history except for the treatment <laughs> of black people. Here's the bottom line, folks. If you don't like what happened in the past, readjust this so it doesn't happen again. And you can't change it if you don't know it. Having a conversation and blocking critical race theory is a bunch of crap. So let's talk about what the law is they're trying to pass. 
So this is a law that has McCravey's name on it, along with a number of other Republican legislators in the House. This is a code that says, I'm going to quote some lines from this law. It's actually very short, by the way, this proposal that they have. It's not a lengthy, it's one page, one page law. The goal is to amend the South Carolina Code of Laws by adding a section so as to provide public school districts public schools and public institutions of higher learning may not direct or otherwise compel students to personally affirm, adopt, or adhere to the tenets of critical race theory or provide related instruction. For the purposes of this chapter, critical race theory means any of the following tenets. It's important to define critical race theory. Gave you the definition from the NAACP earlier. You did. Here's what the Republicans say critical race theory is. One, Any sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin is inherently superior or inferior. Two, critical race theory teaches that individuals should be adversely treated on the basis of their sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin. They also say critical race theory promotes that individuals by virtue of sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin are inherently responsible for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race, sex, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin. So there's two problems that I want to highlight here and get your opinion on them. Okay. Number one, they have completely co-opted the actual definition of critical race theory. This is new. It's like we're going to take the definition of the word banana and define it as something that has a red skin, is crunchy, and grows, you know, in an orchard. Bill, they've been doing that for years. This ain't new. They've been the same person they've always been. We're going to take it and completely redefine it to something that's unrecognizable. And then two, it is so damn vague that it covers everything. So while I would sit here and say, you know what, I actually kind of agree with those tenants because I'm not going to sit here and say that women are inherently better than men or that uh, black people are inherently worse than white people. Nobody would agree to those things, mm-hmm. and nor is that being taught. Mm-hmm. But they make it so vague that a Middle Eastern student could claim injury, that they could claim they felt bad because a history lesson covered 9-11. Yeah. Or... Maybe a Christian could claim injury if a history class covered the Crusades or the Spanish Inquisition. Mm -hmm. All that's needed is the feeling of being offended or being made to feel guilty. As loosely as that is defined, regardless and irrespective of context, and you have fallen under the definition of this law. Let me ask this. Let me ask this. I don't know a day in the life of an elected official because I am not one. Okay? So if I'm in the house and the Senate, right? It's a lot of stuff that I need to be working on. At what point did I feel like I needed to go into the classroom and tell history teachers how to teach history? Yeah, there wasn't a problem in South Carolina that needed solving here. There was I'm no problem I'm trying to figure out the here. connection. The connection is a national movement. There are national organizations that take these same words. If you went to Kentucky or Louisiana or Alabama, you're going to find legislation that 95% uses those same lines and those same words, cookie-cuttered, spread by these national organizations with an agenda uh, because they were afraid of those racial protests so, from night from 2020. So do we feel, and this is definitely uh, not us, let me just confirm that, that ain't black, white, and in the South, but my question is, do we feel that by limiting 
how it is taught, we are better preparing the future to not revisit the past. They will use phrases like indoctrination. They would use phrases like agendas and so on without any specifics or definitions. Again, you saw the law. I just read it to you. You heard it. Yes. There is nothing specific in there that says what you can or can't teach in a subject matter standpoint. So I'm going to give some examples about how these laws have been abused and twisted across okay, the nation. Okay, because that's where I wanted to go next. So here are examples. Why okay. are poorly written laws like that so dangerous? Let's take um, one of the earliest incidents out of Tennessee. And Moms for Liberty, mm. we're going to talk about them one day, filed a complaint under a new Tennessee anti-critical race theory law over a book that taught about Martin Luther King Jr. It was an 11-page complaint filed by the Williamson County Branch of Conservative Parents Group, Moms for Liberty. They allege that the book, Martin Luther King Jr. and the March on Washington, was among a set of lessons promoting anti-American, anti-white, and anti-Mexican teaching at their school district south of Nashville. Now, that ban request got rejected, but you submit these type of requests 100 times, yeah, a certain percentage of, of them are going to get through. Yeah. But it was just your typical book about the history of Martin Luther King Jr. and what he did. They wanted that banned. In Florida, there was a Florida mother who put in a ban request and got it to have the poem by Amanda Gorman. Ooh, that made me hot. You know her, right? She was the youngest inaugural poet in U.S. history. You may have seen her read a poem at Biden's inauguration. Yeah, strong It gave sister. me goosebumps to yes. see her read that. A Florida mom filed a complaint and was successful in having that poem removed from a Florida elementary school. But some background. That mother came out later and admitted she never actually read the poem. She filed the complaint based on what she heard others say about critical race theory and submitted the complaint as a result. Then later on, to no one's surprise, social media posts came out showing that she was at Proud Boys events <laughs> and, and shared anti-Semitic language online. Oh, no, So we're Mom. not talking about the most uprighteous of citizens here that are oh. at the forefront of these book ban requests. Yeah. Arkansas recently announced they will not allow credit for any AP African American Studies course. That blew my mind. They abruptly, and this is like days before the school (laughs) season started, they removed course credit for an AP African American Studies course, and this occurred after Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and God knows how she ended up governor of a state, signed bills limiting what educators can teach in public schools. Final example. From right here in South Carolina, we're not immune to this. Over in Lexington Richland School District Number 5, one of the bigger school districts Mm -hmm. in our state, there was a big controversy because an English teacher teaching an advanced placement class Mm -hmm. as part of a reading assignment took a book by Ta-Nehisi Coates called Between the World and Me. Yes, good book. Listen, I read some of it. Good book. It's tough reading. Yeah. I am a well-read individual. Yeah. I read hundreds of books. Mm-hmm. And given, that was a hard thing to read. It yeah. is an advanced text. It is not light reading. Yep. You need to be of a certain level to, to approach it, mm-hmm. like an advanced placement course uh-huh. level. AP. Mm-hmm. And there was a reaction from certain parents and legislators in that district who outcried saying that that was a perfect example of critical race theory. In fact, what I want to do now is I want to play for you a clip 
of some of the testimony given at a school board hearing from irate parents and local legislators. Let's go ahead. Um, we now know that there have been teachings uh, in a school here in this district of systemic racism. Um, there have been assignments given on systemic racism. Um, these topics are very uncomfortable and inappropriate. We had students email some board members that said they feel ashamed to be white after reading these books and being assigned these assignments. I was surprised to find that this teacher is still employed at Chapin High. The two videos she made her students watch were offensive and clearly designed to make white kids feel guilty for being white and portray black people and other people of color as victims because of discrimination or events which took place many years ago, some of them centuries ago. First of all, we opened the meeting with a prayer. That was awesome. I hope that means we're all Christians on this board. And the most important thing, or the most concerning thing, is that I've been told there was no disciplinary action taken. Was there any discipline involved in this? Or will there be? Has, if there has not, what disciplinary actions will be taken? I am adamantly opposed to allowing any space in our schools for this divisive theory or rhetoric uh, but on behalf of the South Carolina Freedom Caucus, I would like to thank the board members who take this issue seriously. What EL education, critical race theory derived ideas, critical race theorists, and those who subscribe to the uh, racist nonsense that is diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, they seek to get rid of our Constitution and our deeply held Declaration of Independence that says all men are created equal. Um, due to that recent violation, uh, the AP English assignment uh, had a memoir on racism. Um, this did cause several students to feel uncomfortable because of the color of their skin. Good evening. I'm very happy to be here tonight. I am the chairwoman for Lexington County Republican Party. I also support the South Carolina Freedom Caucus and their endeavors to stop CRT from being taught in our South Carolina schools. So that last lady from the Lexington County Republican Party, there'll be a link to this video in the show notes, but there is an African-American gentleman standing right behind her, and she makes her proclamation about CRT and then turns around looking for applause, doesn't get any, and this guy, she's like, oh, there's a black man there, you know? <laughs> She, like, quickly is, looks he, away. He is giving her face, and he gave her the face that her behind needed. Let me just say that that right there, whole bill, that tipped it over. Now, that tipped it over for me because nothing pisses me off more than when I have people stand and feel like they have a position, a foundation to say that kids felt, white children, felt uncomfortable because they were white. I don't know if you know this or not, Bill, but I'm black. And you yeah, know, notice yeah. the name of the podcast isn't white, white, and blue in, in need, South Carolina. I need, to know, I need to let you know that I know what it feels like to grow up as a black child. And then, hey, I got a double whammy because I'm a black woman. And every time we take a stance against something, we become an angry black woman. Well, honey, listen, I got over that a long time ago, and I embrace that whole angry black woman perspective because I am going to be assertive, and I am going to say what needs to be said and stand for the people that don't stand for themselves. In this particular situation, do you know how many times that black boys and girls go to school and feel inferior? An AP teacher taught 
history, didn't make up the writings, didn't write it themselves, had actually published works that had been accepted. These are works that are factual. Ta-Nehisi Coates' work is an award-winning publication, so it's not just pulled out of thin air as the writings of a rambling individual. Correct. One of the things that caught me in that testimony was the claim that several students in the class wrote to the school board complaining that this book made them ashamed Child, to they, feel white. They didn't write that. They mamas told them, you're going to write and you're going to say this. Because a lot of them kids where these parents are acting like the children felt ostracized, they have black friends. They know what this feels like. Let me tell you what this was for those parents. It was a missed opportunity. It was a missed opportunity to engage your child in dialogue to discuss the ways of the past and how we as a community and as one should work to make sure that we don't encounter that mess again. It was a missed opportunity on them, and they should have been embarrassed to stand up in front of the people that were at that meeting to say, I miss the opportunity to engage my beautiful children in a dialogue about the pain and the suffering that other beautiful people went through. That's their fault. Don't go before a school board with that crap. You stand up and you have a conversation with your child to say when right was right and when wrong was wrong. Say portrayed black people as victims. Ma'am, they were. As a follow-up, several weeks later, there was another school board meeting there, and this time the tide had turned in favor of that teacher to support her. Parent after parent, teacher after teacher testified. uh, On behalf of that teacher and on behalf of that work, not only that, Ta-Nehisi Coates came down. Come on, Ta-Nehisi. He sat next to that teacher during that school board meeting in support and solidarity. He did not speak, but his presence there gave me goosebumps as I watched that recording. Now, the whole critical race theory prohibition law, just to give you an idea of where it sits right now, it hasn't gone very far. It was written by the House. It was filed by the House by McCravey and Company. It's sitting in committee in the House hasn't been passed yet by the House, and they're halfway through the legislative cycle. So they're going to take this up again in January when they resume for the second half. The Senate hasn't even seen it yet, hasn't taken it up, so it's still got a ways to go before it becomes law. But it has been passed as a budget proviso. So there's a difference. You can create laws and laws stick, but If you don't get a law passed, you have a second backup plan called the budget, which Mm -hmm. dictates how money is spent. And in that budget, you can put in requirements saying, we will not fund you if you do X, Y, and Z. So Mm -hmm. they took that critical race theory bastardized definition, Mm -hmm. stuck it into the budget proviso, and told schools you will not get funded if you do those things. And that's why those parents are saying it's the law. It really isn't the law outside of the budget. Okay. There's no criminal repercussions for any of this that an actual law would have if it were passed. So while they got it as a proviso, provisos only exist for the year that the budget is in effect and then has to be included year after year after year in in future budgets. The additional problem is that this has gone beyond banning what you're allowed to say in class. There is now another movement afoot about what must be taught in class, and it's turning into revisionist history. You saw a headline that went crazy throughout the nation a couple weeks back about a new Florida standard of education that teaches that some black people benefited from slavery. Benefited. 
because it taught useful skills. Mm. This was part of a 216-page document that the Florida 2023 Standards and Social Studies published, and it just caused a crazy outrage. And yes, Ron DeSantis says it was just one paragraph, but damn it, that was a hell of a paragraph. That was a hell of a paragraph. You also see in Florida and other states a group called PragerU. I don't know if you've heard of that. No, I haven't. All right, PragerU is a group that contains some of the top names in right-wing propaganda. They have started to publish cartoons and videos that are now being used in elementary schools throughout the country. And in fact, one cartoon, which I'll play for you here, it's got an animated Christopher Columbus saying slavery was better than getting killed. Um, Oh, And this is what the state has endorsed. So you should see cartoons of Christopher Columbus and Frederick Douglass defending the use of slavery back in the day. The first people we met were great, the Taino. They were peaceful, curious, and really helpful. I could tell right away that they were highly intelligent. They even were able to quickly mimic everything we said to them. I ordered my men to treat them well. I'm sorry, Mr. Columbus, but I heard at school that you spoiled paradise and you brought slavery and murder to peaceful people. Leo? (laughs) Sorry. It's what I read and heard at school. Caramba! Those are some accusations. The place I discovered was beautiful, but it wasn't exactly a paradise of civilization, and the native people were far from peaceful. But you just said the Taino were peaceful. They pretty much are, but there are other tribes who aren't. The Taino I had met had cuts and scars and bruises all over them. I asked why, and they told me about the Caribs, who are vicious, warring cannibals. Cannibals? Like they- Eat people. See. Whoa. Right? Hey, all the things that are bad in the world I come from, jealousy, lying, murder, war, it all exists in the land I just found too. But in Europe, we draw the line at things like eating people and human sacrifice. Some of the native folks from where I just left do those things regularly. So, these people in your time who think it was a peaceful paradise are misinformed. Or lying. Yeah, but what about slavery? You didn't deny that. Deny? No. Slavery is as old as time and has taken place in every corner of the world, even amongst the people I just left. Being taken as a slave is better than being killed, no? I don't see the problem. Oh boy, this is a bit much. Fast track on down to Florida and have our hearts and minds centered on the senseless killing the individual that went into the Dollar General and murdered those in those people. One 19-year-old guy was just getting groceries. But DeSantis shows up. Now, if you want to see some faces from my family, you go watch the clip where DeSantis shows up to speak when they are talking about at the news release where they're talking about what happened to these individuals and you watch the faces in the background. Don't teach it and see what happens. Out of sight, out of mind. And with that, we are going to wrap up this episode of Black, White, and Blue in the South. If you too are a blue dot in a red sea, Keep up the fight. Keep the faith. Progress is not one in a day, but rather over a lifetime of struggle and focus. And boy, is it a struggle sometimes. It's a struggle. We benefit today from the efforts of those who fought decades ago. Yes. And we owe it to them to pay it forward and keep that fight alive. Yes. Thanks, Bill. 
The end. The preceding podcast is a product of Big Media and copyright 2023. All rights reserved.